0: From your Every Nation Southside family here in Papatoetoe, Auckland, you are now listening to a podcast from our church service, and we pray that you will be blessed by it. For more information, please visit our Facebook page or feel free to contact our church office. And this is our two-week sermon series that we got going. Now, if you have just joined us, um, you know you've come in at the right time. You know, and I'm really blessed that you could all be here today for this series. These next two weeks, our sermon series, to be very honest with you, it's different for me, um, and I'm gonna, you know, say that it, this two-week sermon series actually has a, a prophetic edge to it, and I'll share more of the reason why it's a prophetic message shortly to you guys. Okay? For for those who are not aware of what a prophetic word is, let me quickly explain in in my style. Um, in regards to us today and, and next week, you know, uh, myself and, and uh, Pastor Jay Mitchell, he's coming from our church in uh, Every Nation, Melbourne. He'll be taking week two next Sunday. And, you know, we'll be sharing what what, what I've been sensing uh, God has put on my heart for, for the church uh, here at Every Nation Southside for the rest of this year. And, you know, God has shown me over the last few months through my time of, of praying Yes, your pastor does pray. Uh, Spending time reading books. I try to read books. I do read the Bible. Comics is my thing. You know, listening to music, talking with different people, um, you know, just through normal conversations. Uh, sitting in the office with the rest of our uh, church staff, uh, and and even talking and and going through changes with our family um, at home, uh, with me, my wife, and the kids. There's so many things that have just happened in such a short span of time, and it's like everything has had a direct purpose um, in sharing today's message that I know has a a prophetic uh, utterance to it and our sermon today um it is actually found in the book of leviticus Uh, if you don't know where that is and you have a bible it's the third book right at the beginning okay genesis exodus leviticus cool i was gonna say i don't know my okay thank you guys That's why you have a contents page. You know, our sermon today is found in this book. Um, And if you've been with us in the last 10 weeks, right, the last 10 weeks, we just finished uh, a sermon series called 10. Now, 10, it was based off the 10 commandments. Uh, Jump on our Facebook page, the Every Nation Southside Facebook page, and you'll, you know, be able to grab all the um, sermon um, recordings off of there for that 10, you know, the the last 10 weeks. And through that, the 10 weeks, we we learned how, you know, the Israelites, how they were set free uh, from slavery. You know, and they received uh, the Ten Commandments. The Israelites, like most of us would know if you don't, they left Egypt as now, you know, free people. They crossed the Red Sea, and then they camped up at the bottom of this mountain called Mount Sinai. And it's at that time, Moses, right, their leader, he climbs Mount Sinai where he receives the Ten Commandments from God. And so God could then make a covenant, you know, with the Israelites uh, using these Ten Commandments. Now... If you didn't know, during the time Moses was up you know, in, in the mountain, this mountain, Mount Sinai, the Israelites, they started to, you know, just get a little bit impatient, and so they began to, to, to sin, you know, against God by, and the first thing they started to do is they, they started to, they created their own fake God, uh, they made this golden calf, and, and this was the beginning, this is the beginning, sorry, of, of our journey with the Israelites in the Bible as God's chosen people making their way to the promised land and along with the Ten Commandments you know the Israelites they they needed help to learn how these Commandments had to be lived out in their daily lives remember they just had been slaves for years and years and years and so they didn't know anything else but to be a slave and so that's why these Commandments had come in place to help them uh, live uh, the right life that God had called them to live and so This is a cool thing. The Israelites, they had to be reminded that they were serving a holy God, okay? Now, the word holy, it means to be set apart or to be something unique. Um, And when we think of God, all we need to understand, you know, is that as the creator of all good things, He is the author of our lives. So if God is holy, holy God, he's unique. There's nothing like him. um, And he's set apart from everything which makes him like no other. You know, then let me tell you, that means everything around him must be holy as well. Now, some of those holy things, you know, we're going to talk about holy things. You know, some of those holy things that come to mind being around God are things like purity, goodness, life, justice, just to name a few. Now, if you think of it this way, that God is holy and everything around him is holy, then the Israelites, the Israelites needed to have some kind of way to come before God because being, get this, being in his presence, right, meant that they needed to live holy lives as well. Doesn't that sound interesting? Well, it does for me. That the Israelites, they needed to live holy lives in order to be in God's presence. Have you ever felt this way? Why is it that it's hard, you know, for example, to come to church or, or to give our lives to, to follow Jesus? How was it for you, you know, when you first set your foot into a church or into this church you know some of us may feel real good sitting in church today this morning and others of us may feel guilty we may feel condemned we may feel stink why why is that why do we feel guilty at times for example when we come to church well let me tell you I don't think it's guilt, (laughs) it plays a big part of it, but because being in God's presence, a holy God, does not bring guilt. God's presence brings conviction. You see, guilt just makes you feel stink. Whereas conviction, it brings an awareness that you did something wrong, but then it makes you want to change that wrong thing that you did. And so you want to change your ways. You know, so many examples of my life that I always reveal (laughs) how much of a Christian I was in my younger days. Uh, When I was at university um, in every nation, every nation has been around almost 17 years, going on 18, I think, here. Um, And right in the early years, uh, we used to have church out at Ken's house. And he he lived on this mansion right out of over in North Shore. And then from there they had moved uh, to was it North Coast? They moved to the North 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 Cross North Cross. Uh, they went to the, to a school, and that's when you know I started going a bit more regular, um, all the way driving from you know West Auckland all the way out there to to the to the shore out in Albany. Now <laughs> I turn up okay. Don't tell anyone okay. I had dreads, I had here. I had dreadlocks then. It's invisible now you know and and sometimes I still get like this when I'm in the water I duck dive and then pop up and try and flick my hair back, and it's just one of these parts you know flicking in front of my eyes that's another story but I used to have dreads I was at uni I was a pot smoker um, because I had medication um, for my life and um, so I'd always show it to the police (laughs) You know, and and the thing was, I was doing all these things, right? Turning up to the church over at North Cross, walking in, and trying to act Christian. I thought, you know, yeah, man, I'm going to act as if I have it all together. And, um,. I'd meet Pastor Ken, and every time I'd see him, I didn't see him many times. But the times I went there, I always tried to avoid him. You know, I just tried to walk in to church because I knew, man, he's going to come and he's going to try and get eye contact with me, and he's going to look right into my soul. You know, and there was, (laughs) let me tell you, there was something about Pastor Ken that really scared me because very honest with you he he carried himself in in a real respectful manner um, but he had this kind of presence on him now at the time i didn't know it was god's presence that was on him but the reason being i didn't know because i was just too busy trying to dodge eye contact <laughs> with him um because he'd always come hey tola! you know i'm not going to try using an american accent but hey Tolu, how are you like this you know and i just go yeah now nah, i'm all good past ken you now do the stevie wonder thing and try and flick my dreadlocks to block my eyes and all now i may have felt <laughs> Like I said, how I walked in with the experience of my medication and such things. I might have felt ashamed um, and guilty, you know, standing in front of them. And I wasn't because, and the other thing was, I wasn't ready at the time of my life then to want to change. But isn't it interesting that whenever, and I'm using this example, whenever you walk into a church like this one this morning, or you've been challenged by God through a sermon, hopefully through this one, or you've been pulled up on something from a Christian brother or sister, it's, it's almost going to be two ways of thinking what would happen. You'll either feel guilty because what was said to you, it makes you feel stink. When then, you know, it gets you, you get offended. And because you get offended you know because of what they said to you, or you feel conviction now conviction is when and, you know you, you'll listen to what was said you know and with a dose of humility, just maybe just maybe you'll leave that presence that God that holy that holy moment or you know discussion, and you 'll do something about changing your life the thing is Whether it's your first time here at church, or it's the hundredth time here this morning, or if it's amongst a group of Christian believers, or if it's with friends in in church confronting you about your walk with Christ, I pray that if those times you sense God's presence, it will humble you to change the way you and I live our lives out for him. If I bring you back to the story, the Israelites there were free from uh, slavery in Egypt. And like you and I today, the Israelites needed to have a way to come before God because being in His presence, a holy God, meant they needed to live holy lives as well. They lived unjust and sinful lives like many of us today. But they knew the importance of living in God's holy presence. They needed a solution for their sinful lives to become holy. And this is where the book of Leviticus comes in. If I was to sum up the whole book of Leviticus, I'd say the purpose of this book was to teach the Israelites how to live as God's chosen people through things like rituals, through sacrifices, through instruction, and in purity. Now, to understand the connection of this book, Leviticus, and how it relates to the Israelites while they were in Mount Sinai, receiving the, uh, the Ten Commandments and all, I want to encourage you to, to get some time. You need to get some time to read up on it on your own, the history of it and all that. I've just given you a brief idea of how this book is related to the journey of the Israelites and God. And so the whole book of Le- uh, Leviticus, it, it's 27 chapters um, in total, but I'm going to focus on just two verses today. And in this whole book, these two verses today in this whole book, but, but let me read some other verses just taken from Leviticus, and if, you're, if you have a Bible, or Bible app, turn to me, turn with me, sorry, uh, to Leviticus chapter 26, Okay verse 6 to 13 let me read this i will give you peace this is god talking to the uh, the people of israel i will give you peace in the land and you shall you shall lie down and none shall make you afraid and i will remove harmful beasts from the land and the sword shall not go through your land You shall chase your enemies, they shall fall before you by the sword. Five of you shall chase a hundred, a hundred of you shall chase ten thousand, and your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. I will turn to you and make you fruitful, and multiply you, and will confirm my covenant with you. You shall eat old store long kept, and you shall clear out the old to make way for the new i will make my dwellings among you and my soul shall be with you and i will walk among you and will be your god and you shall be my people i am the lord your god who brought you out of the land of egypt that you should not uh, that you should not be their slaves and i have broken the bars of your yoke and made you walk with heads held high now, I want you to be aware that there is so much more in this book. However, these verses that I'm bringing us to focus on, it's based on the outcome of, of Israel just making good uh, good choices in their decisions of living holy before God. You know, one important thing for this two-week sermon series is that... I've been praying for this sermon for quite a few months now. I really sense that that God is preparing us as a church for this wave of His presence that is about to come through our church to each of you individually here in the next six months of your life like never before. Now, I'm not sure if you're familiar with church revivals that happen. And to be honest, I'm not trying to make it out that there a revival happening. Please hear me here. What I am saying is I really sense that our Every Nation Ministries here in South Pacific, we're about to come into something refreshing and something new. Now, I don't take this lightly. I, I don't talk in a confidence that comes from me. Please him hear, hear my heart. I don't have any set dates, or I'm not, you know, trying to predict anything. But as a pastor, along with the other full-time ministers um, and pastors in our in our region, we really sense something is coming. Is it a new season? Let me explain my thoughts on this new season. You probably heard this before. This new season, you know, uh, from from me or from others. But when it's a new season, you got to understand, a new season involves being stretched well before you get to experience and live out how God has purposed you to live. Since April this year, you know, I was in, I was in Fiji, and we had our a lot of our church leaders there, and, and I could really sense... How God was molding and shaping the relationships with with all us pastors, you know, really bringing a stronger brotherhood than ever before. I was in Hawaii last month and I really sensed God, you know, with our churches there. and, And God challenged, He was challenging the way that even I thought, which was, you know, had to deal with a lot of personal things in my life as a husband, as a father, and then as a pastor. You know, coming back from Hawaii and the leaders that I got to be with, man, they, they, I tell you, man, they really helped break something over me. It's hard for me to explain what those things were and are, but the only way to tell you all about it is just for you and me, to, for me to just live it out amongst you all. Until then, I just really feel God is going to reveal bit by bit to me you know, through, through my personal experience and how I live my life out these next six months, and so I hope and I pray you'll be able to sense God's presence through the way that I live my life, but at the same time, it's going to change your life as well. And why will you change your life? Why? Because I believe God is going to challenge you to change. <laughs> and rather sitting there, now I'm talking to myself okay, as well, and rather, sitting there feeling guilty, I think some of us and some of you are going to take God's presence seriously and make those convictions in your heart worth, uh, worth fighting for. Now, looking over these verses so many times and, and really claiming them, you know, um, Leviticus cl- uh, claiming them for my personal life for so many years. The verses that I shared earlier a part of these blessings and promises from God to the Israelites. And as we look at these verses, let me break down just two verses, okay? Two verses in this part of Scripture that I really feel God is going to take us through to receive blessing, and then I'll, you can go home and all go to KFC. The person that you asked who's going to shout you, you can go there after the service. Okay, but let's look at this first verse. Leviticus chapter 26 verse 7. And I love this. It says, you shall chase your enemies and they shall fall before you by the sword. Now, I want to prophetically encourage us by referring to the scripture to your life today. Yes, it referred to the Israelites back then. So did the Ten Commandments, but we all figured out it all related to us today as well. And so I want you to prophetically encourage encourage us with this today. And the emphasis here in the scripture this is one word. You shall chase your enemies and they shall fall before you by the sword. What's one thing I want to encourage you all to start doing during this next six months of your life? I want you to do this. The sword is the word of God. You need to get in to the word of God. You personally, not me giving you the word right now. You need to get out of here and get it in yourself. Now, the word of God in this season, right, in this season of your life, is what is going to shape you into what God has purposed you to be. And some of us needing our sword, we're needing our sword to fight against sickness, to turn things into health. Some of us need to stop, you know, need to just stop sharpening our sword and just get out there and start fighting with it for for what God has been telling you to step up and step out against, Others have been getting, you know, you've been getting comfortable with where you are at as a Christian, but, but I want to encourage you that God is wanting to show you more of Him in this next season of your life. And it will stretch you. It's probably happening already. But because you've been allowing it to get the best of you, you haven't been going to God's Word, which is a sword, to fight off worries, depression doubt uh, worldly fear you know another part of this verse that sticks out is this word these words you you shall chase and they shall fall before you by the sword you have to pick up your sword no one else can make you choose to read your word only you can do that Because, hear me here, without the sword, you're going into a battle that you cannot win if you have no sword. And most importantly, if you don't know how to use it. I was with a a Bible group yesterday. Um, or friends, and, and one of them said how, in the past week or so, um, they turned to the Bible for the first time in their life, to to fight, to fight against things that they've had to personally deal with in their life, first time. And I was really encouraged because that person said they have never turned to the Bible before, but they found how much strength it brought them to fight. Now this is where the verse here behind me gets interesting because as much as you need to pick up the sword yourself, no one else can force you, no one else can make you do it, and then you have to physically use the sword. Why would you need to do that? It's because, is it to have better life? Yes, I believe that. Is it because, you know, to become prosperous with with wealth here on earth? That would be a good bonus to have too. But let me add on something else amazing when you pick up your sword and you use it. This verse, this part here, you shall chase your enemies and they shall fall before you. It's time, people, to chase down your enemy. (laughs) What does your enemy look like right now in your life? What are some of the sins that have been able to sneak back into your life that has run rampant in your life? For some of us, it could be the fear of stepping out of, of your insecurity. Part of my pastoral role at the moment, currently now in the next is moving mainly into being uh, this, looking after this discipleship ministry. And this job involves me in the next six months of putting together uh, every nation's Side style of evangelizing and discipling. And I've been sitting and I've been meeting over the last four months just different leaders from churches around Auckland. I've been asking them questions about how, you know, how they do it. How do you reach out to sharing the gospel to people that don't attend church? Now, one particular church, I, I ended up, I actually ended up doing their 15-week evangelism and discipleship program um, here in here in Auckland, and, uh, the, you know, the, the, the program, and I sat with the leader, right, that heads up this program. I finished the 15 week program, went up, got my certificate, and, and then um, the next week uh, I, we had some coffee, myself and the one that runs, that heads it all. You know, and I said to him, Bro, now that I'm finished, you know, I was excited, man, now that I'm finished, you know, doing the program and I'm I'm qualified, I've got a certificate to, to, to teach this stuff. I guess now I'll just, you know, let me just come and, and sit in your group to see how you run it, um, so that I can learn. And he just looks at me with a a smile. And I don't know if you've ever been around a coach. This guy is a coach. He's a pastor, but he's a coach. And he looked at me and he goes, Saulu, what more do you need to learn? Just go out there and do it. Get out there and evangelize. You don't need to sit in my group, bro. Go. I don't even want you there. (laughs) Now, I really got offended (laughs) from him saying that because I'm the pastor. (laughs) But instead of taking offense and doing nothing about it or or telling stuff, stuff, you know, man, I had to humble myself. I humbled myself to hear what he was saying. And after finally humbling myself, didn't take too long. I'm not going to tell you how long. I was able to make sense of what he meant. Why? When I humbled myself, I allowed God's presence to come in and speak to my fear of stepping up. And I really felt God telling me, man, in such a gentle voice, it's time to grow up. (laughs) I'm the pastor. (laughs) How could you tell me to grow up? Now, I'm not sure if many of you would remember. About two years ago, I remember very clearly how I preached a sermon. And I remember saying how I wasn't an evangelist. But, even though I wasn't an evangelist, our jobs as Christians are called to go out and evangelize. Now, if you were to ask me what my main strength is in church, thank you for asking, I would say that I'm a pastor at heart. I have strength in in shepherding the flock. I have a natural gift to to really uh, care for people and, uh, and, and how they live their Christian lives. doesn't mean I'm perfect at it, but I have a real natural knack to it. And I honestly do that. I can do it in my sleep. But when it comes to evangelism and evangelizing, man, that was a different story for me. And I found it hard because I was afraid to do it because I saw it had to be done. You know, eventually, but it has to be done in a certain way. I mean, I've got to go stand on the corner with a sandwich board to say, you are going to hell. You know, all these kind of styles of evangelism. Well, after so many years now, right, from that sermon, since preaching that sermon, that, you know, how I said that I'm not an evangelist, I can honestly say that that has changed probably over the last year of my life. I've been a Christian for almost 20 years, and evangelism, I just caught it a year ago. And I'm here to tell you that I am, I'm an evangelist. I am an evangelist just as much as I'm a pastor. How did that happen? Well, most of you know how much I talk about my insecurities, um, and the fear of stepping out to evangelize was a scary thing to do. But when I look at this verse in Leviticus You shall chase your enemies, and they shall fall before you. I've realized that it's me who's doing the chasing, not the enemy. My enemies are running from me, not the other way around. Do you see where I'm going with this? If you understand how much the sword, the word of God means to you personally, Uh, In your personal life right now, and that it's time to pick it up, and it's time you know, the purpose of your life is to chase the enemy down by using that very sword. The Word of God helped shape my attitude towards evangelizing, it shaped my thinking in so many ways and looking at how I should evangelize. The sword, the Word, it kept encouraging me when I felt insecure about stepping out to share the gospel in my conversations. But the sword also taught me better ways of approaching people when sharing the gospel. And as much as I'm an insecure Christian that still fears stepping out to do things for God, the sword of of God, the word of God has helped me realize that it's a weapon not to be reckoned with. The enemy's tactics is to use fear and make us scared to do things that he knows, right? If, if we click and we realize, hang on, man, I'm not supposed to live my life for God like this. And so Satan is losing ground in the battlefield that already belongs to you because of who Jesus is or can be in your life. Some of you and some of us in here are going through some, uh, some internal battles that need to be won back for God. You're either going, got, you've got too comfortable um, and, and your Christian walk needs to come back to life. And then, well, let me give you some, okay, let me give you some practical things. This is going to be a really chop, okay? Practical things to encourage you that God has called you to start chasing down your enemy because the only way your enemies will fall is by the sword, is by the word of God, which is, God, Christ, Jesus. Okay, don't get offended. Here's some examples, okay? Get convicted. Okay, don't don't feel guilty. But here I go. I love you all. You may have finance problems. Now, as a pastor, this is what I'm going to say. A good place to start in any 101 Christian relationship with God is to tithe to your local church. How long... Are you going to let the enemy lie to you that you don't have enough money? There's a 10%. There's 10% to God and the rest, which is 90%. I know my math's there. It's yours, right? But that's that's only the starting point in the coming months as a church I believe many of us that realize that tithing is chasing the enemy down to having better wealth to live with because God has man God has always expected us to be good stewards with the wealth he's given us this it's not a guilt trip I'm putting on us today. It's not. It's far from them. I'm wanting to create conviction for us so that the enemy won't have a stronghold with your money that God has blessed you with. Another one: relationship issues. How is your marriage really going? <laughs> Are you choosing to work on some of these issues that you've been having to deal with lately with each other? Have you spoken with someone about it that that you trust will help? You both walk out your problems. What about some of us in here that need to submit our relationships, you know, in a covenant of marriage? If you love each other so, so much, then go to the next level. Chase the enemy down. Chase him down so he doesn't make you think that it's only going to be a short term thing or because I'm not married, it still makes me available, you know, to, to, not, be, to not be committed to one person. Maybe, maybe the chase down is just living a pure relationship before God. We all know being in God's presence, right? It creates a healthy way of thinking and living out a relationship in a pure way that makes your relationship strong when you're with your boyfriend or you're with your girlfriend. Any kind of, I mean, other things, addictions, any kind of addictions that you need to chase down. Things you see on the internet that, that are not of God. Social media they may cause a type of addiction being on it, or maybe it just creates an attitude of jealousy or anger or gossip or the fear of missing out. For some of us out here today, how much time you know, do we spend on these different things, social media, the internet? Do you feel these kind of things that you know needs to change? What about your health? What about having to forgive someone that, ha- that you've been bitter, that you've been bitter, sorry, with for such a long time? Look, the list goes on. It goes on, it goes on and it goes on. I, I don't stand up here and want to lecture us all about these things. Trust me, I've been convicted in some of these examples I just shared. So please don't sit. And, and don't don't feel guilty and stink about these things yes I, I may have offended you i don't mean to but if i don't share these things then how are we ever going to be aware of what our lives should look like when you're chasing down your enemies and you're seeing them fall before you why because of the sword And I've already shared how my strength is, what my strength is in pastoring. And I thought, you know, which was shepherding the flock, you know, means to keep them from harm. But I'm also learning as a pastor that I need to make you aware of the enemy's attacks and that they are nothing when you are walking in right relationship with Christ. And I'm willing to chase down the enemy today by telling you. One one of his tactics is to use fear on our lives, but God is calling you to take his word, don't be afraid, and to use it, and chase down your enemy. And here is the last part I want to share, and it says this, verse 8. It says, five of you shall chase a hundred A hundred of you shall chase 10,000 and your enemies, once again, shall fall before you by the sword. In verse 7, it talked about you chasing down your enemies by the sword. So that, you know, that's an indication that it starts with our individual and personal lives first. And then we go into verse 8 and we see there there's there's more people involved. Five, a hundred, 10,000. When you've learned to chase your enemies of doubt, fear, worry, the kind of addictions you have to face, marriage problems, relationship issues, finance struggles, and the list goes on, you begin to show others how to live the same. Others learn to chase their enemies. Get this, and that's evangelism at its best people around you begin to change not in the physical maybe in the physical but more importantly in the spiritual and I kid you not as the change happens in you eternally internally the spiritual life that you're living I guarantee the physical will follow suit Some miracles may happen and things will change in your life, both spiritually and physically overnight, maybe after this. And to be very honest with you, man, I'm praying and I'm believing for some of that to happen to some of you in here with the situations that you are currently walking out. And I've been praying and I've been fasting for so many of you because I know the enemy has has your mind where he wants it. It's in a place where it's not trusting God like you should. It's in a space where you know God is the one to fill it, but somehow you've become stubborn to let God in. I thought, man, I'm guilty of myself. My message today is to bring you to a place where you need to start chasing down the enemy. When you decide to fight and you deal with what God has been telling you to deal with all this time, and you watch your family come into place, or you watch your marriage become even stronger than you could ever imagine, or you see how your life at school or at work takes change for the better, and the way we can do this is by doing it together. Because look at the rest of this verse. Once again, your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. And as you come into right relationship with God in this season of your life and for the next six months of 2018, you pick up your sword, you use it correctly, you'll come to a point of knowing how to use the sword with such skill that it scares your enemy But not only that, your enemies will fall before you. You know, the enemy of the fear of man, worry, doubt, suicide, depression, your lack of finance and so on. The cool thing is, you have also learned how to do this with brotherhood and sisterhood. You do it together. We learn to become a stronger community of people in the next six months because people have been added to you and to us following because of wanting, they're they're wanting what they see in you, which is a true, authentic relationship in Christ. Are we perfect? Far from it. That's what draws people (laughs) because we're not perfect, but we need Christ. And these enemies, when I talk about the enemy, the enemy will only fall when the sword is used hear me that's the only way we're gonna win that's the only way you're gonna win these things that you need to fight whether it's you having to chase as an individual you know chasing your enemy or if it's five of you or if it's a hundred of you or if it's ten thousand of you (laughs) falling by the sword the same rule applies to everyone (laughs) whether you're on your whether if you're on your own or whether you're with ten thousand And these things we face in our individual lives or things we need to face together as a church family, the battles that are before us can only ever be won through Christ. It brings me to this verse. Matthew 16, 18. This is Jesus. And I tell you, he's talking to Peter. On this rock, Jesus is on me. Only on Christ. On this rock, I will build my church. What is a church? It's not a building. It's a community of people. It's brotherhood. It's sisterhood. And it says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Do you notice here how Jesus, he mentions that the enemy has some gates. The enemy has his gates up. Well, why is that? It's to keep those, hear it, it's to keep those people who are chasing down their enemies out of his territory. When Jesus talks about building his church, it's not a physical uh, building. He's talking about a community of people that are warriors for him. Think about it. The only reason you put up a gate around your house or we don't need to out in South Auckland, it's safe out here. You know, um, we just pass, hey, you want to share something? Over the fence and eh? you're passing butter over. You know, the only reason you put a gate up is to protect what you own and keep out the bad things that you don't want to come in, right? Isn't it funny to read here that Satan has a gate? Why? Because he's afraid that when Christ warriors begin, begin to rise up, he knows, the enemy knows, we'll be coming for him. We'll be coming against doubt. We'll be coming against the fear of man. We'll be coming against financial worries, against health issues, against marriage problems. We'll be coming against knowing how to live in purity. Isn't it amazing what God has called us in using his sword? What he's actually called us to do. The enemy has lied and put fear in us to run from him. Yet God has called us to chase him down. You shall chase your enemies and they shall fall before you by the sword. Five of you shall chase a hundred. A hundred of you shall chase 10,000. once again your enemy shall fall before you by the sword. He reminds us that on your own if you stick to the sword and you use it wisely the enemy will fall. As a church if you stick to using your sword wisely the church the enemy will fall before you by the sword. The next six months hear me now the next six months are very important to each and every one of you in your life. Life Going to feel like a stretch in these next six months, maybe not, maybe it's a turnaround as well. Maybe you're coming out of one, but I believe that if it does, I believe it's only because God is wanting to wake us up to remind us what you know what it used to be like out in the battlefield when you were never afraid, you know, to fight the things that were happening internally, and the enemy is just trying to bring things out in the physical to, to scare us. But anytime he does that speak against it get your sword and fight (laughs) chase him down you want to chase me down oh oh, no no (laughs) that ain't gonna happen are you ready to do that in the season where you are now remember i'm not here to make you feel guilty i pray the holy spirit has brought conviction in different areas of your life for the sake of learning how we can chase our enemies down for the future of the next generation your families this 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 location this place, Auckland, South Auckland, Auckland, New Zealand, the South Pacific, back out into the world. I pray that you're ready today. Isn't it cool that we use the Ten Commandments to use this sermon to grab the juggler and just like rip it out kind of thing. Ah, you know? Check a hold? <laughs> I really pray, I really sense I really sense in here Man, I'm with you, I'm with you all I know what I need to do First I need to, whatever I need to do With my life but I know I need other things Like people, friends, community (laughs) You got some good people in this place I know I do (laughs) You are, you're all here (laughs) And so I encourage you today What is God showing you this week? What is he showing you today? yourself for the next six months let's pray father we just thank you for this time